Welcome to Pet Sitter Confessional. Today we're brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Perennials. What would it mean for you to make an impact in your community? Far more than just offering our services to people, there are ways that we can make our communities more pet friendly, and we can do that in a multitude of ways. And sometimes that means thinking outside the box. Today, we are really excited to have Lori Patanio back on the show. She was previously on episode 329, and she joins us today to talk about two unique ways that she is serving her community, an initiative she calls Pizza for Pets, and then we discuss her flight nanny services. Let's get started. My name is Lori Patanio. I am the owner of Professional Pets Florida. We're a full-service pet care company. So we offer services in the client's home, such as overnights, pop-in visits, dog walking, but we also offer services outside of the client's home, being adventure hikes, as well as flight nanny transport services. And I want a spoiler alert later in the show, we're going to get to the flight nanny services, <laughs> but you know, I, I do want to just touch on the, you know, you mentioned that you're a, a full service pet care company with all that you offer. That, that may, to, to me, that's a little bit intimidating to think of offering all of those breadth of services. So how do, how do you, as kind of owner, founder, and, and chief organizer of everything, kind of wrap your hands around that and keep everything organized and kind of on brand with professional pets? So I think that having our brand image and our logo and our president presence in the community it's kind of been this higher tier level of service. So people expect a higher a higher production from us just because of the branding and all the marketing and things that we've been doing. So, you know, we're not going to offer every single service under the sun. Um, but we do like to say that we are full service because we do offer all of the options that a client would need for services that are in their home. We don't do any boarding or stuff at our home, but we do do everything that they would need to leave their pets, to go on vacation, to have extended time at work, stuff like that. Yeah, that through line of in-home care. Right? What are, what are mm-hmm. some ancillary, what some auxiliary things that kind of wrap around that one one purpose and right. and that, that way they can all all do fit together. Right, exactly. And I think that our clients kind of like that we have a diversified portfolio of offering those different in-home services, as well as some of the outhouse stuff, kind of like our adventure hikes and stuff like that. With with a diversified portfolio like that, how do you communicate that to clients to make sure that they understand what the right fit is for their particular needs? So we have our main three services, which are our overnights, our pop-in visits, and our dog walking. But I also don't want it to be lost in translation to clients and lost in branding, marketing, that we do offer these other higher-priced services as well, like the flight stuff and the hikes. But you know, if we are do- we're onboarding a new client, and you know, myself or my assistant manager is. We're, we're talking to them and they're like, you know, our, our dog is just so high energy. I don't know that, you know, a half an hour walk would be, would be best for him. Um, but we live in Florida, so it's super hot all the time. And there are days where we can't walk a dog for 30 minutes or the dog doesn't want to walk for 30 minutes, but it needs that mental stimulation and enrichment. We can go to the client and say, Hey, you know, 
in your particular case, a hike might be better for your dog because of X, Y, and Z. And we're kind of able to shape our services for that specific client around their needs. Mm. Yeah. And that starts with just listening, right? Listening mm-hmm. to those key words to go, okay, I might not be, we do this too. It sounds like we do this too. And people, they may contact us thinking we do daycare or thinking we do boarding, but right. kind of listening to what they're saying and go, okay, well, I don't offer those exact words, but I offer something that may get at the the, the feeling or, or, or get back to the problem that you're, right. that you're talking to me about. Absolutely. So that's, that's what we do as well. You know, I, I've had a ton of clients that have came to us and they're like, you know, I want, oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize that you didn't do boarding. And I'm like, all right, well, we don't do boarding, but let me, let me tell you about our overnights and why it might be beneficial to you. And I've turned boarding clients into, you know, visit clients or, um, overnights clients, um, just the same. And, you know, they're like, oh, I didn't even know this existed or I didn't realize I would be so comfortable with this service. So. Definitely asking all of the right questions and really getting to know the client and their their dog and their needs even initially before that first meeting is super important. Yeah. And I, I'm part part of your presence in your community is not just offering these this full service pet care to people in their homes, but you also have been making a big impact on your community kind of at large. And and you came up with this idea for something called Pizza for Pets. And uh, I would love for you to dive into this and kind of explain where this idea came from and kind of what its mission is. Yeah, so I have a background in veterinary medicine as well as animal welfare. So I am a certified animal control officer and veterinary technician. Um, Once I left animal control, I kind of left the world of animal welfare behind. So in my business, we do take care of a lot of um, medically needy special needs animals. So I still kind of get the the veterinary medicine aspect in my business, but I don't really get the animal welfare end of it. So I was searching for something that I could do to give back to the community that's still animal welfare related. And myself, all of my girls, everybody is, you know, we're all, we're a big rescue group, big rescue state. Um, so we wanted to do something to help the animals at our county's local kill shelter. Um, so we started Pizza for Pets, which is a local nonprofit initiative that uses marketing to help long-stay, kennel-stressed, or high-risk-for-euthanasia animals a home just by exposing them to the public. So you can think of kid on a milk carton. That's kind of the idea. It's just pet on a pizza box. So we take a flyer of the um, dog or cat that needs to be adopted, how long that they've been there for. And uh, the restaurant patrons can take that flyer and they can go down to the shelter and get a free adoption on their new best friend. So we've been super successful. We launched in February of 2023 officially, and we've already gotten 39 animals adopted so far that were like death row dogs and cats. So yeah, it's been awesome. Sounded like that really filled a, a void that that you had uh, just in, in your life coming from your pe- previous background. Yeah, it, it definitely, it, that was the the space that I, I needed to fill and still being involved with my community as well as helping animals. We partner with uh, local restaurants to put the flyers on the pizza boxes and quickly we ran out of pizza places. 
to put flyers on. So we started moving over to different campaigns under Pizza for Pets. So now we have Plants for Pets, which is with two vegan restaurants. We have Pints for Pets, which is a bar. We have Protein for Pets, which is a smoothie shop. And we have Pasta for Pets, which is an Italian restaurant. So we have tons of little different variations, but same concepts, flyer on a takeout bag, a pizza box, or in a checkbook to get the animals exposure that they need. Wow. So, you know, that's it, that's a lot of uh, different branches then from that from that original original concept. How did you first approach that that first pizza shop uh, to to ask if you could do this? So I had initially sent out like, I mean, had to be 75 emails to local pizza places. And I was just like, Hey, I have this crazy idea. Um, do you think that you would be interested in putting a pizza, a flyer on your pizza box to help it? You know, do you like animals? If you like animals, I like animals. I want to do this thing. (laughs) And out of like 75 emails, one pizza place got back to me and they said, Mm -hmm. yes. So that was Pizza Vola in Riverview, Florida. And once Pizza Vola was on board, I was contacted by ABC Action News and they wanted to do a story on it. So we did an interview, we did a story. And after that, the kind of snowball just happened because people started learning about it. They started hearing about it and they're like, oh, this is not just some girl that wants to stick some stuff on our pizza boxes. Like this is an actual project. (laughs) Uh, So we were able to get more restaurants by building credibility. And I've met so many amazing business owners, um, small business owners, because all of our partnerships are not with, um, they're not with like franchises. They're not with corporate. There's no like Pizza Hut or anything like that. It's just all local small businesses. So we're able to support them, get them more business. We've been featured on the news a bunch of times, you know, get them more exposure and help some animals all at the same time. Mm. Why was that important for you to to stay with local businesses in that in that respect? Because I'm a local small business. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, obviously franchise owners and corporate, they need support too. Just I, I figured that um, I like cultivating relationships um, with people that have a similar passion and similar drive that I do. So I thought that going for the small business owners first would be would be the right move. And so when you are when you're when you're approaching businesses with this um what in what way or or did you also talk with the the shelter as well you know kind of what was your pitch to them when you brought up this idea So it was it was rather easy um with the shelter just because of my because I used to work there um so I already had that relationship. Um, my old corporal at Animal Control is now the shelter manager. So it was just a quick phone call. And I said, hey, I have this crazy idea. Is there anything that I can do to help to move these animals? Because, you know, they're happy, healthy animals being euthanized every day. Like, what can we do? And I have this idea. And she was on board and she's like, absolutely, like, let's let's do it. Let's run it. So every week she sends me a PDF of the at-risk dogs and cats that are on the list. And I go in there and I make all the flyers and print them and all that good stuff. And that's it. But I would say if anybody else was considering doing something like this, that 
especially county county resources. So, you know, not your humane society or your ASPCA, but your, your county facilities, they need the help the most because they cannot turn away any animals. They have to take everything that comes in, whether it's, you know, sick, whether it's aggressive, they legally can't turn anybody away. So they need the help the most moving animals. So I would say that more times than not, they would be willing to accept, accept the help in, in this kind of capacity. Yeah, there yeah, that I you know, you still have to present probably a, a coherent idea or concept mm-hmm. of what you're wanting, yeah, right? But they, but they're looking for that help. I know we we've approached ours with um, you know, helping on kind of the back end, trying to have more support once somebody gets that pet, offering those discounted services and such. And so they have a bunch of our flyers on their on their adoption packet and kind of so that helps them because they can provide this really big value because they they go to a lot of different places to collect these and so that's one way where you may approach and go hey if i offer discount services to you because i know pets you know adoption is one thing but living with the pet is a lifetime commitment so how can we help each other and on the front end going yeah can i help you get more exposure with these pets especially the the, the at risk pets there and i i think you know is that was that an intentional one that you wanted to focus on or, you know, did you have a soft spot for those kind of pets or you just saw that, that was, that's where the most need was? It was, I think that it all kind of comes full circle because my, my area of passion lies with this senior special needs, medically needy animals. And when I worked for the County, that's what I saw a lot of that wasn't getting adopted. That was getting euthanized just because of their age they were, you know, otherwise healthy. They were just, they were old. And most people don't go to the shelter to adopt a 10-year-old dog. So it was breaking my heart that, you know, these these dogs were just, you know, getting euthanized just because of their age, or maybe they had some medical stuff. So there was actually a dog that I got way, way, way too attached to, um, whose name is Turquoise. And it's funny because my one of my brand colors is turquoise. So it was like made a match made in heaven. And she was 10 years old and she had cancer, but she was just, she was the absolute best dog. I mean, I would sit there every day on my lunch break in uniform, badge belt, everything. I would sit on the, the floor cage with her and just like love on her. And she had skin stuff and like nobody wanted to pet her because she was like flaky and crusty. And I just absolutely fell in love with this dog. If I didn't have a dog, aggressive dog, I would have taken her home. And she was on deadline. And I just, I did everything I possibly could to get this dog adopted. I mean, I asked everybody that I knew. I talked to our clients. I just, I, somebody just needed to like take a chance on her. And I had posted about her on Facebook and the post of her that I, that I posted went viral because I had arranged for a photo shoot with her to get like nice, like professional photos of her and I, and those, those, those photos went viral and she wound up getting rescued. So I was like, I can do this and I can do it again for other dogs. I just got to, I just got to get her. I got to get these dogs in front of people. And the way to do that is by, by bringing the, the dogs to them, not waiting for the people to come to the shelter. So when we have our pizza pets, we put them on the flyers, but we also put them on Facebook. So people share them, even if they don't go to the restaurant, they can still see them and, stuff like that. So same concept, 
all about marketing, just getting the pets in front of the people. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Chris Ann from Raining Cats and Dogs has this to say. Becoming a Time to Pet client has been a game changer for us. We can give our pet services clients real-time, cloud-based information they never imagined they'd be interested in. And most importantly, to me personally, I can better manage my company and look forward to more. And not a small thing, Time to Pet is responsive to my request for new features and modifications to existing ones. If you're looking for new pet setting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confessional. With so many moving parts here, you know, you're, you're working with the, the the shelter. You're also working with these various restaurants. What does that that process look mm-hmm. like? I know you kind of mentioned that once a week, the, the the shelter sends you that list of high risk. You know, once you have that that list, how does it then make it on top of pizza boxes or or on top of the you know other smoothie places and such? So it's a, it's a, a one woman machine. Um, so we get the flyers. I get the, excuse me. I get the, um, the list from the shelter, um, manager to my email. I take their animal ID numbers. I go on their website. I take the picture that's on the website. I take their information. I go into Canva. I slap it on the flyer. I change the restaurant info. Then I send the flyers for printing. I have to go pick them up from printing. And then I bring them to the restaurants for whichever uh, restaurant rotation that animal is a part of. We have 10 different restaurants that we work with. So it's a lot of driving. It's a lot of printing. But we recently have had some small business sponsorships that have sponsored some of the flyers to help offset the cost. Um, so we'll, we'll put the small businesses logo as like a thank you on the flyers for helping adopt the pets as well. And yeah, so that, that, that helps offset costs. But for right now, it's just get the list, make the flyer, print the list, uh, print the flyer and then deliver them to the local restaurants. Uh, and, and so does the, does the flyer circulate for a set period of time or is it on just on that weekly basis of what it, when it runs? We, we give them a thousand flyers. So yeah, so it runs, they run until they run out of flyers. And then once the restaurant is out of flyers then they contact me and they say, Hey, we need more, we need more pets. We need more flyers. So our flyers, even if a pet that's on the flyer gets adopted, they can still bring that flyer to the shelter and get a free adoption on a different pet. Oh wow! Okay, well that's mm-hmm. that way. That that way, it still gives another another pet a chance. Um, be- yeah. because of somebody else too. So that's nice, right? Wow. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's a lot of it's a lot of flyers. It's a lot of chances. Um, but otherwise, you know, when I spoke to the shelter manager initially, I said, you know, we're trying to to bring awareness to a black pit bull in a sea of two hundred black pit bulls. Like, how do you? How do you showcase these dogs that, you know, they might be very similar? Yeah. So this is this is the best way, you know, because they're they're physically seeing a picture of the animal, they're seeing how long they've been in the shelter. People don't realize that sometimes they're there for two years. There's a dog right now that we're trying to get adopted. She was in the shelter for 
two years. And she's only three years old. So the better part of her life, she's been in the shelter and she's an amazing dog. She's very sweet. She's just, she has to be the only pet in, in the household. So most people have animals. So it's, it's been diff- really difficult to get, get her um, a home, but we've been trying for a while and she's been on every rotation so far. So, um, you know, we just do what we can, I think. What kind of information do you have included on that on that flyer? Is it is it a complete replicate of what's on the website for that, or do you kind of curtail that information for each one? So it is a photo of the pet. It's how long they've been there, number of days, the phone number for foster pets, which is the the shelter's um, information line. It has the address of the shelter. It has a QR code on it so that they can scan it and it'll bring it them directly to the the shelter's website where it has all of like the notes of gets along well with others, likes children, likes, you know, women, likes men, did well in playgroup today. So they can see all of those notes and it has the logo of the pizza place or restaurant on the bottom so that when they go to the shelter, we know where it came from. Mm. Yeah. And but that 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 code right getting taken right to that that pet's particular site is really powerful because then you don't have to have that flyer crammed with all sorts of information right, with information on it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you do you have your staff involved in any other aspect of this, or is it is it really all you taking this and and, and organizing everything? Uh, the staff are are <laughs> busy doing <laughs> other stuff, um, <laughs> so it's mostly just myself. Um, doing the pizza for pets thing. Um, it, it's not a ton that I need help with. Sure. Um, it's just, it's just a little time consuming, just getting everything together, picking up flyers, dropping off flyers, coordinating and such like that. But it, it's, it's been a labor of love, but it's, it's been really rewarding to be able to see those animals that are, have been there for hundreds of days. I know we just had, um, a couple of months ago, we had Sebastian, who was a big old hound dog. He was 12 years old, and nobody wanted him because he was 12 years old, but he was very sweet, got along with everybody. And we had put him on a plants for pets rotation at Vine Vegan in Brandon, Florida. And after 680 days, he was finally adopted by somebody Ooh. with the flyer. So it was awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's about that, you know, you said it's a labor of love, right? And sometimes we find those things that we can't we just can't let go because we we need to do this. We find those things, we have those passions of this is what we can dedicate our time to. This is where we can set that time aside. And like you said, it doesn't take a, an incredible amount of time, but it does take time and that's just carving that out throughout our, throughout our days is 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 part of that priority list that we have. Absolutely. Well, if someone else was interested in doing this kind of thing or or helping out their local county shelter in some way, you know, what, what advice would you give them from, from your past experiences? I would just say that most of the staff and officials I mean, at these county facilities, they, they are more times than not willing to accept the help because they need as a, as a county facility they need to be able to show the government that they have been they have exhausted every single option to get these animals out of the shelter without 
putting them down. So if you are able to be another avenue, whether it's pizza for pets, whether it's, you know, maybe doing volunteering at like an adoption event, any kind of assistance, they're more receptive to that because they have to show that they are able to exhaust every avenue possible. So just trying to approach them and ask them, you know, specifically if you can help in a certain way rather than just like, Hey, I'm here to help if you need me. Um, but you know, coming to them with a plan, um, saying like, this is how I believe that this program can help you and help the animals. Then I think that you have a lot better chances of them saying yes. Yeah. I think that, that having that specific and clear plan really is beneficial because again, they're, they're doing a lot of things. They've got a lot on their plate. They're running all over the, yeah, running all over the place. And so showing up and going, yeah, whatever you need, right. That that's fine. Right. But they, but having that, right. that, that plan is, is really going to help them kind of see exactly how you're going to fit in and, and kind of what the future of this looks like with their partnership. Right. Absolutely. And I, I think that they'll, they'll be a lot, a lot more receptive that way, because just like, you know, initially when I sent out the email for pizza for pets, I can definitely say that my email was not very clear and concise with a, with a straight plan of action. I was kind of just like, I have this idea in my brain, like, let me know if you'd be down for it. Um, so I think that maybe if I went in with like a clearer plan and method of attack that I would have initially gotten more places on board, but all, all in all, I'm happy with where we're at. So what do you think of the future of this is, um, as you look at kind of the partnerships that you've built, the number of pets that you've rescued, where do, where are you seeing in the next three, five years? I would ideally like to kind of get a, get a hold on the, the pets in our county shelter and try to, you know, continue to find all of them homes, bring on more restaurants that are interested and, you know, that love animals just as much as we do and are interested in helping. And kind of once we get a hold on the the shelter population and the euthanasia rates here, then maybe we can move forward to other county facilities that need help and do it like that. Pizza for Pets is not copyrighted. It's not proprietary. I mean, anybody can do it anywhere. So I I would be happy to help anybody kind of get started and help in their own county, whether it's in Florida or somewhere else, and help get some pets adopted. It's a, a proven concept, as I've seen. So <laughs> it's been great. Well, shifting gears here a little bit, uh, I guess a lot, or shifting propellers. I don't know <laughs> how to make that transition. Uh, you know, Speaking of unique services and things, um, you will also offer private airplane tra- pet transportation. And this is fascinating to me. Uh, how, how, how do you do this? <laughs> so I had initially heard about flight nanny transport through the grapevine, um, a couple of years ago. And I kind of just thought it was a ridiculous service. I'm like, who would ever need that? Who would ever need a nanny for their pet? Why wouldn't they just fly with their own animal? And the more that I dove into it, I, I realized what kind of niche that it was and what kind of space and what kind of clients needed this this kind of transport for their animals. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of moving parts to it and there's a lot of moving cogs because not everybody can fly with their animal. And it's taken me a while to kind of figure out which clients can do what and 
the ones that can't for whatever reason. So, um, again, offering that higher level of care, there are a lot of companies that offer flight nanny services, but they are commercial flights. So they are Spirit, they are Delta, they are JetBlue, um, and they are, you know, under the seat in front of you kind of thing. There's still a market for that. People do that all the time, but I wanted to kind of kick it up a notch and take it to the next level and offer semi-private and private flights for our clients. Now, when you talk about clients, what kind of clientele, you know, is is this service a good fit for or kind of how do they how do they fit in that? So, I think that it's it's less of um, you know, we in in the pet world, we all have our, you know, our, our ideal client that we market to, but I think that in this space specifically, it's more of the ideal pet rather than the ideal client. We still have to think about the client, but it's more about the animal and their situation. So what I had initially believed was that all of my clients for these services are going to be breeders. That was initially my thought was that they were going to purchase puppies or kittens from an out-of-state breeder and they want them delivered to them, but they don't want to have to get on a plane and go themselves and all of that. But it actually has been... I would say a good 95% of our flight clients have been people that are either moving across state or are rehoming their pets to somebody out of state. Interesting. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So we we've, but there are so many restrictions with flying animals and normally most of our, most of our, clientele is people with larger animals because you can't just fly with your golden doodle on delta it doesn't work like that um so normally if an animal is any bigger than 20 pounds and can't fit in the in a carry-on underneath the seat in front of you they can't fly Mm -hmm. or they can fly but they have to fly a private charter private jet which is anywhere's upwards of 25 grand um so I, I figured that there had to be some kind of workaround. There had to be some kind of middle ground between Delta and absolutely not. And then absolutely not private jet can't afford that. So yeah. I, I found this space that's the, that's the in-between space. And that in-between space is, is where I stayed and where I enjoy and has been the most profitable for me. So did you already have a, a connection with a, a, a private pilot or did you take this to a local flight school or, or something like that to, to ask questions? Or can I, what, once you go, okay, I'm going to fly pets and airplanes. Like who do you go talk to for that? <laughs> so um, I had initially done the research and found, um, so there are a lot of semi-private charters out there. So they are, open to the public, but they're smaller planes. So they're about 30 seat jets and you pay a premium for them, but you're not paying $25,000 for them and anybody can fly on them. But that is our, our Delta doodle clients. They can fly on this semi-private line and they fly out of, um, it's the only one that flies out of Florida and they fly out of, um, Orlando and Miami. So if somebody wants a semi-private flight, we'll fly out of there. So I just recently had a photo shoot, like a branding photo shoot with 
a photographer up in Brooksville, which is about two hours north of me. And me and the pilot just really hit it off about his plane. And, you know, we got, we got along really well. And I'm, I'm personally very good at, at making connections with people and, and networking in my own area. And the pilot had mentioned that he is the hobbyist pilot, but he has, he flies for FWC every winter. He flies sea turtles to Key West. And that's like a thing that he just like enjoys doing. And I was like, oh my God, you must love animals. Me too. And we just got to talking and I was able to contract private flights with him. So we're able to take large dogs in a completely private plane. So it's not a it's not a private jet, but it is a private plane. And um, we're able to take um, larger dogs or larger animals on the completely private plane as well. So I was able to kind of make that partnership and, you know, get him some extra money and be able to offer this service to our clients. Wow. So does he, does he have to, if somebody's, I'm just thinking about like replicating this, I know there's a lot of moving pieces and I don't know how many of us have access to somebody who flies sea turtles in the off season. So like that may be a little <laughs> difficult for the rest of us, but like, <laughs> is that you're flying? It's, it, it's, um, it, it did you have to, you talked about regulations earlier. So that's another question I had as far as getting into this is what kind of regulations are around this aspect of flying pets across state lines, especially if, if for, for sale or resale or things. Right. So if it was a, um, like a breeder situation, I would fly commercial. Um, I'd fly, you know, the Delta if it was um, a larger animal, I would definitely fr- fly the private with this pilot. But um, each state is different. Each airport is different. Wherever you go, all of the rules are different. So I think that's kind of part of being, you know, the professional in that space is is being able to do the research on USDA requirements and, um, you know, vaccination requirements, health certificate requirements. Everybody everywhere is different. So the last thing that you want to do is is be stuck in a space or it's stuck in another state with an animal that you can't do anything with because you don't have the proper documentation because you didn't do your research. Um, we are USDA certified class T carriers to transport animals via ground and via air. We don't do any ground transport. I just enjoy flying. So we chose to just push into the the flight space, but um, we can do both. So anybody that's thinking about doing any kind of transport, that's definitely the first place to start is with the USDA. So yeah, is that is that held by the pilot or is that held by professional pets or or where does that certification? That's, yeah, that's held that's held with professional pets. Um the sea turtles thing is a little bit different. I don't know all of the requirements, I would assume that he has to be certified by FWC um, to be able to, to transport those animals because you can't take reptiles on commercial flights. So uh-huh. again, there's, you know, somebody would think that, oh, okay, I can put my turtle in this little carry-on and put it underneath the seat in front of me. It doesn't work <laughs> like that. So, uh, <laughs> so, but you could, you could fly it, you could fly it on a private flight. So. It's a lot of research. It's a lot of reading, and um, it's a lot of a lot of networking and asking the right questions and making connections that has has really been beneficial um, in my business. And we've we've done every single flight that we've done has gone off without a hitch. 
knock on wood, um, and been a really lucrative and really enjoyable um, service to offer. I mean, obviously, it's not as busy as our, you know, our pop-ins and our dog walks. But when we do get them, it, it's it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I am afforded the luxury to travel for free, which is nice. So, yeah. you know, we just had a transport where we brought two cats to Arizona from Florida. And my layover was like three hours. So... I jumped, ran to the Grand Canyon, got to do that, and flew back the same day. So it's been nice. What do you do when a client's pet passes away? Our friends at Pet Perennials make it easy to send a heartfelt condolence gift directly to someone with a broken heart. They have this awesome direct-to-consumer gift model that takes the effort off of us and ensures a thoughtful, personalized sympathy gift reaches your client or employee on your behalf. Just last night, we had a client contact us that they had to put their pet down. Within a few minutes, we had a fully customized order with a handwritten card ordered and sent off to them, and will be there in a few days. All gift packages include a handwritten card, colorful gift wrap, and shipping fees across the U.S. and Canada. They also offer an array of milestone gifts and greeting cards that can be sent to celebrate birthdays, extend get-well wishes, and welcome new and rescued pets. Additionally, there are gift choices in case you need to send a sympathy gift in memory of a special human client or celebrate a pregnancy, engagement, or wedding of a pet lover. If you're interested, register for a free business gift perks account to unlock the all-inclusive discounted package prices. Since the service is used on an as-needed basis, there are no monthly or annual obligations or minimum purchases. Learn more at PetPerennials.com, check out their business programs, or register for that free gift parks account by using the link in the show notes. I know the, the regulations and stuff are all, all, all different. I did want to just pick your brain on the USDA a little bit more. What, are, what exactly, mm-hmm. or, or can you, can you, is there a general way to summarize like what they're looking for, what they want to see from somebody during that certification process? Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, reading material that you have to do on like the Animal Welfare Act. So you have to, yeah, you have to read all of their material. Um, you have to apply for the certification, and um, because they want to make sure that the person transporting the animals is aware that, especially with ground flights, is a little bit different. But you know, if you're transporting an animal via ground, you're not transporting them in the back of your Toyota Corolla. You know, you have a you know temper- temperature regulated vans, um, and you're you're treating the animals fairly. So you just have to apply on the website, um, do your education, do your research, and that was very helpful as well. You know, in terms of what they're looking for. Not that I would ever treat an animal unethically, but you know, they they have certain things that they look for. Um, that's that was was really, especially as being the first step having no knowledge in any of this space, that was really helpful. So definitely start with the USDA, get all of your information, um, and make sure that you're, you're protected because Mm -hmm. your pet sitting insurance might not cover you in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a conversation that gets back to that. We sometimes have these grand things in our business where we go, man, wouldn't it be great if I could one of those first phone calls you need to make is to to the to the regulatory and the legal side of things and going, hey, I want to do this. And if the other person faints on the other end of the phone, you know, probably shouldn't go right. down that road. <laughs> right. So that was our second step was, you know, getting with legal and getting with our insurance and making sure that 
everything, you know, was, was up to date. And if we had to purchase additional things on our policy or take out a separate policy, then that was what was done before we even remotely started marketing our flight services. Well, so yeah, uh, let's talk about the, the, the marketing um, mm-hmm. aspect of this. You've, you've already mentioned how you have this, um, this higher production value that people expect from professional pets, and there's this level of quality. So when you start talking about plane transportation, like how do you talk to people about that and let them know that it's available? So luckily, most of our marketing for our flight services is people that have absolutely no idea what it is. And whenever we post stuff about it, they're just like, plane, fly, dog, cat, why? <laughs> and <laughs> so that's, I get it. That's, that's most of it. Um, so people don't even realize that it's a service that they may need. We've had a huge um, response from our military community for families that PCS and, you know, they have to send their animal first or they have to send their animal later on. So, you know, their people had no idea about it. We have a huge military presence in our area and they're like, Oh, like I know John, John is stationed at McDill and like, he has to leave. Like, I wonder what he's going to do with Fido. And then, you know, it kind of just, it's a conversation starter because now clients are more educated because we've educated them with our marketing. Yeah. And finding those different connection points, right? Where those niche, where that, where that client is, where the pro, I guess not really where the client is, but where the problem is. And as soon as you said military, like it was like, Oh, obviously, obviously people Mm -hmm. like they, they need that. That's such a huge need for them, but it's hard to get kind of connected with that or, or so sitting down and thinking in my area, what do I have access to? Where are the problems going to be? And and really kind of start putting some language around it from there. And I think that we talked about it um, during the last episode, but building those connections within your community, my big, one of my biggest referral sources for those military clients has been a realtor in my area that specializes in military moves. Yeah. So normally when a client moves here, has a change of station and they're here, she's their realtor. And then when they leave again, she is also their realtor. So it's kind of just like a revolving door of, hey, you just got here. When you leave, let me tell you about Professional Pets Florida and what they offer. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, really getting them connected to those to those resources, right? And just being that community asset. Do, do you find you get a lot of local inquiries or do you get out of state people contacting you to bring their state their pets from Florida to them? So it's in the beginning, it was a a very heavy dense population of out of state people because they just punch in Google like flight nanny near me and you know. That's, that's, we just happened to come up. So our initial response when we launched was a lot of out of state, but because I did so much local marketing for the flight services, I actually have people in my town that need services. And it's just like, I don't live in, you know, I don't live directly in a military town. Like I don't, you know, so I never expected people in 
my area to like really need it. I was, I was going for going for everywhere else, but it's actually more affordable because there are, are already in the state of departure. Like I don't have to go somewhere and get the pet and then go somewhere else. I'm we're all already here. So it's, it's actually more affordable for them and it's easier for us. So our local market has actually been quite fruitful as well. Yeah. I, yeah Cause if once the, number of stops that you have to make before you get to the pet, all of a sudden that price goes through the roof. So really trying oh, to, yeah. so, sounds oh, yeah. like, sounds like you're going to, uh, even if people contacted me out of state to pick up a pet to then take to a third, like that might not even be something you'd be interested in. It sounds like. It, it I mean, if they're willing to pay, then yes, of course. <laughs> but you know, when, when people get that very, very high quote, you know, I have to tell them that, you know, normally it would not be this expensive, but now we're adding on a completely separate leg of the trip just to get me from there to there. And then I got to get it back home. Mm. So, and, you know, I, I'm able to, if it's a, a private, a semi-private situation, I'm, and I'm, we're on that 30 seat jet, I'm allowed to take the animal to where it's going. And if it's not a round trip, I can fly back commercial. Because I don't need a private jet, so um, you know I'm able to cut costs that way as well. So it really just depends on where what the start and end point is. And um, but yeah, definitely our local market. It's it, like mind blowing that like people in like my little town they're just like I'm relocating to Wisconsin, and and a lot of I've had a lot of inquiries for people that just don't know what to do. They're like, yeah. hey. I I, ha- I have to move, but how do I get my dog to California? And a lot of it has been education on this is this is flight nanny services. This is what's offered. Yeah. Um, the alternative is ground. The alternative is cargo. So you know, and I'm able to educate people so that they can make an informed decision whether it's with me or with somebody else. Um, you know, they're they're able to have all of their ducks in a row to pick one. Yeah. So w- walk us through that onboarding process, right? Somebody contacts you, they're a little curious. Can what steps do they go through? At, at what point do you work up that quote for them? And kind of how do how do you have that conversation? So again, back to the basics. I mean, it's all about communicating with them. You know, you can pretty much read an email or get a phone call from somebody that's like, Hey, I'm moving and I have absolutely zero idea what to do. And then, you know, I can tell it's gonna be more of like an educational component do it. And I'm just kind of, you know, presenting them with all the things. I always give them a ballpark. I'm like, you know, Hey, you're going to spend between this and this. If you go semi-private, you're going to spend this and this. If you go full private cargo, this, you know, ground this so that they can, you know, make that kind of mental connection between the services and the pricing. And then if that sounds okay to them, I say, okay, like, you know, do you have specific dates? There are people that have a deadline where their animal has to be there. If it's a flexible date, I'm able to get them the lowest quote possible because our quote is our time per hour cost plus the flight cost and any other associated fees. So if I'm able to fly on a day where flight tickets are cheaper, then I'm able to get them a cheaper quote. If they say, you know, I have to fly out, I have to have the pet flown on this day and this time, then, you know, I'll work up a quote for them based on that number. And it's not, super time consuming. It's just getting everything together, presenting. I usually present them with like two or three options. And if they want to move forward, then I actually onboard them into time to pet. And we do the whole 
service just as we would every other service. Reports, updates, GPS track, time track, all that good stuff. How How is it delivering those multi-thousand dollar quotes to potential clients whenever they, they ask for that? It's kind of just like a like a sharp breath and like a hope and a holding on. It's just like, okay, like uh-huh. it, I hope they go for it. Uh, no, but it, it's just most most people that are already familiar with these services, they know that they're going to have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would put their dog in a crate in the bottom of the plane and hope for the best. Uh-huh. So um, normally, I, I try to to mitigate the blow a little bit by by providing them that range at the beginning of the conversation saying like hey you know this is what this costs this is what this costs between but of course everything varies with you know um flight costs time of year season airline all that stuff so once i deliver the blow it's just like okay like if they go for it they go for it if not you know, that's it. And it's not so much a a do or die because that's not the only service that we provide. That's not the only stream of revenue that we have. I would rather do more higher tier luxury, high ticket, high dollar items than a bunch of spirit flights. So that that's, that's kind of where like my brain is at on that. Well, it makes it more worth your time as well, right? And and, yes. and for something, especially when you're talking about that true private flight, like even I know semi-private flights where they're they're the smaller smaller ones with limited seating, but still kind of public. Like those are costly. I know private flights. When you're in that world, it's like, yeah, this is like these are just ex- extremely costly, and it's your time as well. It's time away from your home, your friends, running your business, doing all this other stuff. Like That's time that you may go, oh, I'm just traveling. It's kind of nice. And and I know just me, the kind of person I am, I'd go, oh, I'll just, I'll just give that time away. That's fine. Like, I'll just, it's not a big deal. <laughs> so to put it, to put it into perspective, or the private plane that I fly with the pilot, it is $100 per gallon per hour. And the it usually takes about nine gallons per hour that they fly. So it's about $900 an hour just for the gas alone. Mm-hmm. So if you're going from... That might not be super expensive if you're going from Key West to Orlando. But it might be very expensive if you're going from Florida to California and it's a seven-hour flight. So yeah. it gets it gets very expensive very quickly, but that's the price that you have to pay for private luxury for your animals. <laughs> right. Well, and it's like, that's a, that's a, not to, I was going to say that's a fixed cost, but we all know what happens to fuel prices all the time and right, crazy stuff. Course. But, but like, that's when you talk about cost of services, cost of goods sold or whatever, like that's, that's baked. You've got to bake that into it because otherwise you will be pulling, there, there's no way you can be profitable on that unless you at least have that covered. And then your time and pilot's time and however you negotiate that with the pilot, like, is that, do do you have that conversation with the pilot as far as compensating him for his time and, and how he and what he's dedicating to this? Yeah, so we we pay his one hundred percent of the fuel costs and we pay him an hourly rate for fly um, fly hours. Okay, and then yeah. so my hourly rate that I charge the clients has his rate factored into that already. Ah, uh, okay. So that's that that just labor cost at that point of going. This Correct. is this is how much it's going to cost to have humans do this for you, right? Right. 
Right. So the the human cost is is for my time and for the pilot's time. If we have to have another nanny, so one of my staff, it would be additional for my staff as well for their time. Right. Well, yeah, because then you start getting into overtime pretty quick, I'm sure, and all sorts of other other concerns and issues with that. Yeah. So that is definitely, it's like I said, it's definitely a high dollar, but it's high reward. And there's nothing like flying a corgi halfway across the country in a two-seat plane. (laughs) So it's very cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely a unique experience. That's cool. So, again, if somebody's interested, they're going. Okay, well, I've heard of flight nanny. Um, where would you where would you suggest people start with with this kind of service? So, I, I definitely think that doing research and not just absolutely jumping into this with no parachute, no pun intended, <laughs> is the right is the right move because. You do not want to mess with the USDA, just like you don't want to mess with the IRS. And you do not want to be stuck somewhere with some animal that you have no idea how to get home or how to get them home. So I think that having all of your information before you even consider adding this to your list of services is is the 100% correct right step. Here, here, here to doing research and fully understanding, right? Because yeah, it's, it's absolutely it, it can get pretty hairy pretty quick. I'm so thankful for your time um, in, in walking us through these two really unique offerings that you are providing to your community and and statewide as well. Um, when you look to raise that bar and and set that high ex- expectation that potential clients in your community look to your business and you to provide. Um, but I know that you do an awful lot, and we didn't get to really dive into a hundred percent of everything that we, you know, our big topics today. So if people are interested in getting connected with you and, and kind of l- l- looking and following along with all that you do, how best can they do that? Um, I'm on Facebook. It's Lori Partanio on Facebook. My business is on Facebook, professional pets net. If you guys are interested in seeing any of my branding and marketing that I do um, for the flight stuff, Facebook is Pizza for Pets. If you guys are interested in anything um, for your local shelters that you want to steal some ideas from, feel free. And um, I'm always open for questions. If anybody wants to um, chat, um, you can get me on my website as well. Cool. Well, I'll have those links there um, to a previous episode and uh, to some USDA links too. So people don't even have yeah. to worry about Googling. They can just go straight yes. there from the show from the show notes to get started. Uh, Lori, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate this. And it's, it's really cool to see all that you've got going on. Thanks, Colin. Happy to be here always. Pizza and planes, two pretty unique services that Lori's able to offer her community to grow and expand the pet friendliness of her community by getting more pets adopted and exposed to the right people looking for the right pet, and then offering flight nanny services, something that, while certainly costly for potential customers and clients, may exactly fit what they are looking for. What kind of unique services do you offer, and how are you communicating those to your clients in your community? We'd love to hear from you and some of the successes that you have had along the way. You can send that to feedback at petsitterconfessional.com. We're everywhere on social media. Thank you so much for listening today. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it. We also want to thank today's sponsors, Tired to Pet and Pet Perennials, 
for making this show possible. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll be back again soon. Thank <laughs> you.